really stiff. I hate that thing. Today's reading is 1 Samuel 17, verse 1a, verses 4 through 11, verses 19 through 23, verses 32 through 49. It can be found on page 264 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camps at Ephes-Damim between Soko and Azekah. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. (coughs) David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are little more than a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. 
Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching his, <clears throat> into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. The word of the Lord. Our God of grace, this well-known story is read for our ears again, and we're coming to it with hearts that in some way um, are looking for something that we don't yet have or we don't have enough of, and um, we come to this story and to you with imperfect lives. We're more of a mess than we care to admit. We make more mistakes, and we, uh, in our heart, in our thoughts, and in our behaviors, we are not perfect in more ways than we want to admit. And yet, the story that we keep coming to, the stories from Scripture, the story of Jesus, keeps telling us that we are more loved than we ever imagined because of what Jesus has done. So meet us now, whatever we come with, Whatever we're carrying into this room, would you meet us with that love in a way that transforms? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This story, I need to say something, I need to say what it is not, right out of the gates. I'm going to be very brief this morning, but I want it, so I want to jump right in and say that the story is not telling, is not saying to you, you are David. Unless your name's David, then that's okay. You know, that's okay. Um, this story is not here to tell you you are David, and Goliath represents your problems, and so you need to figure out in this story how to become victorious, how to do something similar to what David do, does, and then you can topple your problems. That's actually not what the story is about. So, what is it about? It's about two competing views of how to, how to um, find victory, how to conquer your fears. That's, that's really one great way to talk about what this story offers us today, is two separate views about how to conquer your fears. The first uh, way to conquer your fears is through competence. 
Competence is a big word for just saying, you have what it takes you know, to solve your problem, to conquer your fear. You have it. You've um, worked your way up in some way. You have enough. You are enough. It's summarized um, masterfully in verses 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 when we see that the problem of this story is that Goliath seems to have competence. He's this champion, and he, his height was six, cubics and a, six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, which um, it's like 125 pounds. I was talking to Jake, our worship leader, this week about this story, and he said, uh, he said I could say this. He said, his armor weighed more than me. Um, so, yeah, right? Thanks for giving me permission to cast that image, Jake, for everyone. <laughs> So uh, that's, that's, this, that's how competent this guy is. It keeps going on and on. On his legs, he wore bronze, bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. It's about 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So sprawled out before us is this list of competence. Um, one scholar named Robert Alter puts it this way. Full-scale descriptions almost never occur like in, in the Bible. Goliath himself being one of the few marginal exceptions. In this case, we get four verses at the beginning of the episode cataloging his armor, his weapons, and the exact measure and weight of the man and his implements. The thematic purpose of this exceptional attention to physical detail is obvious. Goliath moves into, into the action as a man of iron and bronze, an almost grotesquely quantitative embodiment of a hero. And this hulking monument to an obtusely mechanical conception of what constitutes power is marked to be felled by a clever shepherd boy with his slingshot. This is an itemization of competency, and that's the first approach to conquer your fears. Competency. We're all swimming in this world, and everyone in the story is swimming in this world. You have two armies, both of them are scared, they're each on one, val- on one mountain and the valley's in the middle, and it seems like the Philistines have the upper hand because of Goliath's mega list of competency. And yet, both groups are still scared. Notice the Philistines aren't attacking. But it seems, and everyone's thinking, they have the upper hand because grotesquely displayed before everyone is this heaviness of competency. You go home and you know, scroll down your Twitter feed, turn on the TV, open the newspaper, open the glossy magazines, you know, swipe away on Instagram, whatever it is, and you'll find a similar grotesque list of all the paths and all the markers of competency that are strewn before us on display. The modern-day armor of competency. Maybe it's physical beauty, maybe it's the 401k, the financial security, maybe it's military power, maybe it's in finding the right spouse, maybe it's in professional credentials or building your reputation or controlling things in your life. Take a look, in a sense, the story is telling us today. Take a look at what sword you have in your hand that you're waving around like Goliath is. And then realize in this story, what happens 
with Goliath's sword. Anyone? It, it ends up, I hear some murmuring, ends up cutting off his own head. <laughs> Is it possible? Actually, I know because I talked to you, I know it's possible. But ask yourself, is it possible that the, own, the, the very methods of competency that you're chasing, that you're grasping, that you're waving around saying, this will do it, are the very things that are going to kill you? Whether you think of that metaphorically or actually, they're going to be your end. They're going to bring you to the, to the pit. But if you've idolized competency... You're not alone. Every single person in this story, all of these people, both armies, everyone has idolized competency. Everyone's grabbing hold of it except, except for David. And so you see the second view of overcoming um, your fears. Really, if I just read verse 26, you see the end of what David says here. And this is, this is what stands out. He says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know, as I, as I um, read that story, I was struck with what ends up happening, and we didn't catch all the verses, but what ends up happening is the king, Saul, calls for this young man, who's not even a soldier, calls for him to be brought to him. Because the word spread of what David said. And the only thing we're told that he says is uh, mainly that sentence. It's the only thing that could have brought this about. Who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He's the, basically, the word that he said that gets along. And why does it get along all the way to the king who invites him in? Because he's the only one saying anything close to that. He's the only one seeing just a completely different picture of what's happening. He, it's as if he just floats in, undaunted, as fear chokes even Israel's greatest warriors and the king. And he just floats in with this light, completely other view. I picture him dancing into you know, this heavy battlefield. David just, just waltzing, dancing in. Our problems um, in life... The, curveballs that are going to get thrown at you or that have got th gotten thrown at you. That's exactly where you're going to find out eventually what you've been trusting all along. It's your problems. It's when the big things hit that you didn't expect, you didn't plan for. And that's when it's going to come to the surface. What has been your armor? What have you been arming yourself with? Is it competency or is it in God? And David, literally, I love how in the story, if you're kind of following the thread this way, the way we're talking about it, is he literally is taking off the armor, the pieces of competency that his own king is putting on him and trying to say, this will do it, now you're ready. And he literally takes them off and, in a sense, puts them on the shelf. And that's the invitation for all of us. Whatever you know, your sword is, whatever your, your battle implements to conquer the problems before you, to make the, you know, your best life now. Whatever the things are you're grabbing hold of to do that, today's invitation is to put it on the shelf. And that's what it means to be a Christian. 
It means that you're walking through this world and you're holding on to a story and you feel like you're the only one. You're, the, you're holding on to this story and this God that no one else seems to be following, no one else seems to be paying attention to, and you learn every day to access a new courage. As everyone else is looking at this and saying, maybe if I get this little angle, maybe this little shortcut, maybe this little implement. And amidst all of that, it seems no one else has this view, but you hang on and move forward. And of course, as we've been talking about, uh, we've started a series on Samuel, and this will be the last Sunday of it. We've been following the lectionary, so... Um, as we've talked about this book, we've been pointing out that this book is obsessed with David. First and Second Samuel, it's all about David. Even if you read following the books of Kings, they keep hearkening back to David as this huge figure, larger than life. And yet, as the scholars will tell you, there's even a sense that there's more than David coming. This is pointing towards someone who could fulfill the shoes David filled, but fulfill them even greater. And as Christians, of course, we look at Jesus and we say, he's the one. He's the one who refused to meet the Roman swords with a sword. And if you remember, he even was undoing the work of a sword. As Peter, maybe you remember the story, cuts off the ear of a soldier. And Jesus puts the ear back as if to say, I'm so not going this way with these implements. My way is so different that I'm in fact going to undo the work of these implements. And that's a picture. And then Jesus ends up on the ultimate Roman implement of competency that said, we are on the top, we're in charge, this thing called a cross, and Jesus himself yields to it and allows himself to be put up on it. And so you and I in City Life Church, we find ourselves matched up really in the story with ancient Israel. We, we in our failed devotion, all of Israel was going the wrong way. You know, they were on the edge of a cliff if David hadn't come and said, there's a bridge right over there. Like, don't, don't go, you know, right over here. And that's all of us. We're all in that boat that we need the champion to go in and stand for us. Like David rep- was representative of all Israel. He stood in for them. We need Jesus to stand in for us. What you and I feared most, Jesus absorbed so that nothing stands in the way between you and the champion's circle, the inner circle with God through Jesus. And so let Jesus, in a sense today, that's the call, let Jesus be your only trusted way towards acceptance, towards victory, towards whatever, towards any problem that comes your way. Let Jesus be your champion. Let him dance lightly into your life and into your heart and swoop you away on a whole different path. And if you do that, you'll find that in Jesus you find also not just your, you know, you're being rescued from utter defeat, but you also find that you be, you're invited and inspired on a new journey to dance also in this world of fears. Read things like, the, uh, the, like Jesus' words in the um, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and you just go, this is like a complete reversal. This is taking all the culture's armor and just setting it aside. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Oh, the happiness of those who are persecuted. That's basically what it means. With Jesus, you're inspired, you're drawn in to live foolishly in the face of a wise world. 
and to leave your flimsy armor up on a shelf so that you can move into a life where you're spending time with the marginalized instead of the powerful, where you're giving money away instead of spending it and saving it for you know, your bucket list, where you're serving with your life rather than demanding of the world around you. Let's pray. Our God of grace, our hearts naturally long for this story to tell us a couple of tips to how we can slay the giants of our problems, how we can be stronger, how we can find the secret way, the shortcut to success. Please help us to be humble enough by your Holy Spirit uh, to hear your voice through this story and in our lives, not just as individuals, as a church in a world where the bells and whistles and the stadiums and the, the loud light shows and loud music and fog machines of the biggest churches of our culture call towards a different uh, battle. May we hear... May we hear your voice, your soft, whispering voice, calling us to dance with you to the beat of a different drum, to trust in you instead of the armor of our culture. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.